This is WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your host, Rob Hessler. On the Air is brought to you by Starlandia Supply, located in the heart of the Starland District of Savannah at 2438 Bull Street. Starlandia Supply works to make art making more accessible to everyone by lowering the price of supplies through reclamation and trading. Starlandia helps customers recycle gently used art supplies and materials and also carries a fine selection of new materials including Windsor Newton, Liquitex, Faber-Castle, Montana Spray Paints, and Copics. Moreover, Starlandia Supply is the only locally owned art store in Savannah. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. More information can be found on Facebook by searching Starlandia Supply or at StarlandiaSupply.com. Shop local. Shop Starlandia Supply. Welcome to Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. This is an hour-long interview program dedicated to the visual arts. Each week, we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects, as well as the state of the visual arts in our community. This week, we welcome Brittany Reedy into the studio. She's a fiber artist and photographer, as well as the person behind the new alternative art space, the 2201. Plus, we've got a special in-studio guest host, Kevin Clancy. He, too, is an artist, and he's also the curator behind The Hen House, one of the most exciting up-and-coming galleries here in Savannah. And lastly, we've got a field note with some of the folks working on the Starland Mural Project. We had a chance to speak with Xavier Hutchins, Jose Ray, Tyreek Maxwell, and Kevin Vongang, about their progress on this exciting project happening in the Starland District. So let's get started with this week's episode of Art on the Air. Here's your host, Rob Hessler. And this is your host, Rob Hessler. It is Wednesday at 3 o'clock, time for Art on the Air on WRUULP, and I'm in the studio with two guests here today. I've got my special guest co-host, as I mentioned in the intro, Kevin Clancy. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have Kevin in the house. He is uh, an excellent artist. You might have seen his work over at Sulphur Studios as part of their OnView Artists in Residency program. What was the name of your project there? Worth dying for. Worth dying for. And you did a lot of work with flags and money. Yeah, ma- mainly flags and money. Yeah. I was really hoping you would get, what is it, you needed a billion half dollar uh, bills? I don't, the math, I don't know. That doesn't actually work out. But yeah, I need a lot of money. We all do. We all do. <laughs> and then we've also got the our in-studio guest this week, Brittany Reedy. What's going on, Brittany? Good to have you. Not too much. How are you doing today? Good. So Brittany is the... She's an artist, fiber artist, photographer, I guess painter because you add paint to your your fiber works as well. Yeah. But also the, well, the mastermind behind the 2201 or the 2201, depending on who's asked. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling. We're not picky over here. Very good. And we're going to be talking with both of these folks here about the, well, how you kind of put together your own gallery and balancing making art running a gallery doing other things to survive make money um (laughs) eat food at the same time (laughs) 
But uh, before we get into Brittany's, uh, our formal interview here with Brittany, and I'll, and I'll read her bio here shortly, I did want to also mention, you heard this in the intro, I've got a field note we're going to play to end the show today with four of the artists from the Starland Mural Project, Xavier Hutchins, Jose Ray, Kevin Bongang, and Tyreek Maxwell. And Tyreek, I got in a little extra long interview with him as part of that because I really liked his show that he have had over at Starland Cafe earlier this year, but I saw it way too late to cover it. I would have interviewed him and then aired it, and the show would have already been over. So I've been looking for an opportunity to talk with him, and I did uh, about his mural that's up on Bull Street there. It's about Bull and 41st Street, if you guys want to take a look at that. I also want to point everybody towards the Art on the Air Facebook page and then also Brittany's website, which is www.brotnee.com, where you can see some of the works that we're going to be talking about today from Brittany's catalog. And then also Rachel Flora's excellent recent article called Accessible Art for All, about Brittany and the 2201 art space that she uh, is a part of. You can learn a lot more about that, and we're going to be talking about some of those details in this interview, so I'll I'll say that. But first, I wanted to check in here with Kevin because you guys just at the Hen House just had a, a, a big thing happen. You moved across town. Tell us about that. Yeah, Chris and I uh, only had the space at 39th Street for six months. That was always the deal. And, um, you know, as it gained traction, we we started to think about next steps. And I have a studio space down at the Stables on Rathborn Drive. And Sarah Sandin and Ryan Lawrence are dear friends of mine. So we started talking about the studio space and gallery space down there, how it might be better utilized and what we could do. And we came to an agreement that we would take it over for another six months to try to ramp up our programming and do maybe some bigger things, bring in some more people and get those studios really, really popping, I guess. Yeah. And you had your big opening event this past Friday and like you said, two or 300 people showed up. There was quite a bit of traffic throughout the night. Um, It was a bit more unique. I suppose we had some live bands. We had two live bands um, and we had, a pseudo food truck. It was um, Venezuelan food by Trupial, but she was giving it away. So there was really, really good handmade food, really interesting local music. Um, and yeah, by the end of the night, and it went pretty late till midnight, but there was still, I don't know, 150 to 200 people there. It was, it was really great turnout. Well, I didn't make it over there because as as you listeners probably know, my wife Gretchen is is quite pregnant. But Kevin sent me this weird sort of text message i had no idea what it meant until we talked about it later and that was baby needs venezuelan breakfast <laughs> <laughs> and i had no idea what that meant until you told me that your friend was bringing venezuelan food specifically breakfast food right to the, as as part of this their their concept um is something like foxy loxy i guess but um much more traditional uh venezuelan fare and a lot of the breads actually she's mentioned to me are um, holiday foods, uh, but they're they're just they're so good. The the bread itself is handmade and then home baked, um, full of amazing things: olives, different kinds of meats. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a she had a wide selection of foods for people that who were vegetarian and gluten free, and really everything was amazing. Well, I mean, I think that's cool. This is obviously a show about art, not about food. But I think what's cool about that is sort of. Again, and that's like a DIY sort of idea. It's like, you know, I know that she has, um, they have long-term goals to do either restaurant or food truck or, or a restaurant or of some sort at some point, and they have roots with other restaurants in town. And so it's like, it's again, it's like building it from the ground up, giving the food out so that way people can get a taste of it and they get used to it. And then when the restaurant actually opens, they kind of get a sense of, well, here's the big thing. And I almost sort of can find a congruous path with you guys and at the hen house going from this little space that was just a studio that people have just started getting an idea that it's actually happening. Uh, we've covered the, a couple of shows there. Gonzalo's show, uh, Gonzalo Hernandez's show earlier this year. And then all of a sudden you move to this new space and it's like, boom, two, 300 people show up for the opening. We had, I mean, a lot of people that came through the space over the summer and, you know, I think normal openings are, 
in your 50 to 100 range, but you get such different people every show, depending on who's showing, cause their circle, although they are many, many creative people, we don't all run in the same circle. So then we get new people coming in, you make more contacts. And then I think a lot of people from all of the shows that we had over the summer came by. Yeah. Well, and I want to say, if if you guys don't aren't familiar yet with the Hen House, I would you know urge you to, if you're interested, to take a, a greater and in, more in depth look at what they're doing. The Hen House Sav.com. Did I got that right? That the is correct. Hen House Sav.com, and it's down in Rathbourne. Some of you might remember that's the old space where Haza used to be. Haza Gallery used to be. Um, so that's going to be a really great space. And you've got stuff planned out now through like february right so yeah we got a f- lot of programming yeah built out i mean ne- up next show um will the reception will be on december 14th so it's the second saturday and we're working to um get on the map for the second saturday art walk downtown mm-hmm. since it's i mean it's very close i think people think that rathborn's uh, a ways away but once you get down there you're less than a mile from mlk it's it's, it's really close very cool. Well, I'm I'm excited about. It. I think you guys are doing really. I mean, well, you know, I've already spoken with you, but I just for our listeners, um, I think that this is a space we need doing some interesting and take interesting work, showing some interesting work, doing some interesting things, and taking some chances to show what other galleries in town really can't show because they're so married to the commercial model of put a make a piece of artwork, put it up on the wall, sell that artwork maintain the gallery by the commission that they receive rinse and repeat over and over again in perpetuity whereas you guys have this great deal with the owners of the space where you're putting on events and then the artist can just do work that is good and not have to worry about necessarily making sales for the show to be quote-unquote successful mm-hmm. well look let's get into our conversation here now you know all about kevin clancy and the hen house let's get into our conversation here with Brittany reedy and I'm going to start that by reading her bio that she sent over to me, which we'll use as a starting point. Brittany Reedy is a multimedia artist from a suburb near Annapolis, Maryland. She graduated from SCAD with a degree in fibers. Her work is a field of experimentation, marrying fiber materials and painting, as well as shooting photography on the side. Currently based out of Savannah, she has recently opened a gallery space called the 2201, trying to bring more accessibility for artists to show their work Brittany, let me make a formal welcome to Art on the Air. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So happy to have you. So we want to take a step back. Before we get into all this really exciting stuff that you're doing now with the 2201 and getting back into doing your own work, finding a place for that, I want to take a step back because you're not from Savannah. You came to Savannah for SCAD in 2012. So, But let's go back even further than that. How did you kind of start getting involved in art? I mean, were you one of those kids that's like, all into art right when you're you know first born or did it kind of come on later let's talk about that how did you first find your love for art so I was in the theater a lot in high school I didn't really get into art until probably my sophomore junior year of high school and I'll be honest it was for love you know that first love feeling uh there's a guy I was really into and he was interested in photography and he was amazing at it Still is a very talented photographer to this day. But that really sparked my interest to take a photo class. And I just loved being in the dark room. I was really a big fan of that hands-on mm. process and really getting into that and learning how that works. And uh, originally I was going to come to SCAD for photography. Mm. And I, I did. I, I switched my major my junior year of college. Um, so... I was really just into digital photography and I started really playing with the idea of self-portraiture towards the end of my senior year in uh, high school. And that kind of continued into college where I started just branching out and getting into that a lot more and more of the digital side of it. But I found the hands-on process of the darkroom is where my love really was. And SCAD is very... It is for creative careers. You mm-hmm, you get mm-hmm. into that really digital side of it where you're doing a lot of Photoshop and learning all these different processes that didn't spark me nearly as much. And I just, the spark was, I was losing the spark. And uh, I was like, this, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. So I was like, well, Fiverr seems cool. I don't have any idea what <laughs> Fiverr is, but I'll just go for it. 
and I fell in love with that. Well, you know, it's funny that you say I don't know what fibers is. Like, you know, I'm an artist. I've been a professional artist for a decade. <laughs> and before I moved to Savannah and I heard people were in the fibers program at SCAD, I had no idea what that meant. And now I know lots of people in town who are, you know, involved in fi- in fiber arts. Yeah. Um, you have people like who are coming from SCAD, like Jennifer Moss at Sulphur Studios, who is a teacher at SCAD, actually, uh-huh. who is um, who is an amazing, you know, sort of classically trained fiber artist, although her work is very groundbreaking, I would say, to somebody like Becca Cook, who uses fiber arts, but is like, and we're going to talk more about that when we talk about your um, wearable fiber pieces because yeah. I do want to talk I don't know if you know Becca Cook but I see I see a connection between the two of you so we're going to talk about that but yeah I didn't even know like it's interesting like who would go to like college and say I'm going to I want to study fiber arts because what does that even mean I couldn't I was a painter I couldn't man, tell no you, man. Right? yeah like I could, at first I couldn't tell you it was one of uh, my partner's roommates was in the fibers department I thought her work was so cool and uh, I was just like, man, this this stuff's crazy. And eventually when I was making that decision to jump into another major, I was like, I want to I wanna shoot for it. I want to try it. And uh, I really found a deep love for natural dye and, like, dyeing in general. Well, let me ask you, and this is not really a direction I was planning on going, but I'm sort of curious. Why is fibers fiber and not sculpture? I mean, because I kind of look at fiber art as sculpture that uses a particular type of material like so yeah how are they different i feel like fiber it's creating the initial structure because you can break this down real deep if you want to get real let's deep let's with get it. deep with it i mean <laughs> the fibers are what starts on i guess we'll talk natural fibers you know wool wool starts on the sheep right so you have to actually shear the wool but it doesn't really have enough of a structure to make too much out of it right but if you twist the wool then you can get a thread then you could take that thread and you can weave that into something or knit it into something and then you're starting to create more of a structure Mm. and you can make more sculpture once you're getting into that avenue but fibers you can really break down to like that initial step Mm. like for me i like the initial step of color like i like to dye so i could even dye the wool just before i even spin it into a thread you know it's you, it's just very broad. It's it's even hard for me to really get into and wrap my head around it just because it's so, so broad and fibers can mean so much. Like I know someone making blankets for NASA. And then I also know people doing print and pattern for Target or for Abercrombie and Fitch, mm. you know, and then I, there's another side of it where you get conceptual. And I sometimes wonder yeah. if it comes down to like the the idea of craft that too that's like a dirty word not as much now i I mean i consider what i do craft in many ways but not in like the negative sense but uh i wonder sometimes if like you're pouring bronze into like a lost wax cast that's sculpture but if you knit a figure of a person it's still sculptural but it falls into some other category for some reason well, yeah, like, it's interesting. So, but what are you doing, Kevin? Because you're deconstructing flags, you know, as part of your and and as part of your work even before you know the the on view residency where I was really first exposed to your work. You were creating these immensely large flag pieces that were like all interconnected. So you were like very much working with textiles and and deconstruction and like your uh, some of your pieces in the on view residency where like literally you're pulling apart all of the flags and it's the pile of color from the flag Mm -hmm. i think Brittany like hits on the right mark about that initial place you can take this post-process object and work it backward to something that is so much more free but then can be reused in many ways to make other things like making paper from it, um, right? And thinking about where those objects come from, yeah. like flax, growing it from seed, beating it, redding it, stripping it, and then spinning it to make linen. That's all very fascinating. I was drawn yeah. to fibers work mainly because of the labor of it. I think um, 
Oh, yeah. My family, <laughs> is, come, we're all craftspeople. My dad was a carpenter. I used my hands my whole life. Painting is, is a use of hands, but not in the same way. Right. It's not yeah, as tactile. Sure. And I like the and I, and I that was a question I had for you actually like coming from photography but you said you liked the darkroom specifically which is a labor intensive process I taught darkroom photography as a high school teacher many years ago and I wonder if that is like a that seems like an obvious jump then to work in fiber yeah it's funny now that I've gotten older I kind of see the connection from an earlier age and I thought I've always loved soft things I've always had a weird obsession with like really cozy soft things and I don't know why but I also have always loved really long process of things Mm -hmm. like I mean the smell of the dark room the whole sensory experience you know the darkness of it the wetness of the chemicals the craft of going out and actually have to be present and shooting something to make any of this happen to begin with or just manipulating your own imagery in the dark room altogether it's just a weird connection that it makes a lot of sense now that I've gone through and it, it even makes sense to like what I'm doing in my career now, you know, it all weirdly ties together. It's just that very hands-on personal, you know, connection mm-hmm. to making something great. For those of you just joining us, you're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I'm Rob Hessler here with my special in-studio guest host, Kevin Clancy. And our in-studio guest this week is Brittany Reedy. She is a fiber artist, photographer, sometimes painter, and the director of the new alternative space, the 2201 or the 2201. Let's talk a little bit more about so because we've been talking about photography and all of this, but and you mentioned that you know people who are working for NASA and you know who people who are designing stuff for Target and and Abercrombie and Fitch, but your work doesn't really fall into that category. Your work is very, I think, experimental and doing some interesting things. And I, I so I'm sort of curious what I mean, you almost it almost sounds like you were, you know, being pushed towards digital art, digital photography by the career part of being at SCAD. And then as a fiber artist, the way that I'm, I've at least the work that I've been able to see on your website, and again, I'll, I'll refer people over to www.brotney, that's B-R-O-T-N-E-E.com to see more of this. That work is almost like an active resistance towards Abercrombie and Fitch and Target. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I do love my trips to Target. But uh, <laughs> my work definitely doesn't fall, or especially my work in college didn't really fall under the cookie cutter, you know, work. And that's why when my time of college came to an end, it was really hard for me to figure out what I want to do. I still don't know what I want to do. You know, I'm not, I'm not even working in the fibers field right now. I do it in my own personal practice, but my work is very... I I used to call it conceptual garment. Like, that's the best way I could put it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I incorporated those skills I learned in photography for sure because I shot all my own work. All the photographs, all the video work is all done and edited by myself. Well, and I love that aspect of it, too. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to point that out because I felt like the pieces that you created, the fiber pieces you created were a component of a bigger art piece or project that incorporated the video and photography was so critical to that. It wasn't just the, I guess, sculptural element of the creation, but then it was like the presentation of it. And even if you like go through that website, which I know is an older website for you now, but you've got these blurbs where you're writing something about a term and then you flip and it moves to an image and then another image and then maybe another term and sort of definition. And and then in the background behind all of that is like actual video playing. It felt like in looking at that stuff that you couldn't just isolate any one of those parts of it. Like it needed the photography. It needed the the video. It needed the model wearing the the piece. It needed the piece itself. And like with if you took away any of those, the artwork wouldn't be complete. Yeah. 
I mean, for me, definitely the performance element was how I dealt with a lot of the motions going on through that work. Because, I mean, I was the model, too, which sounds mm-hmm, like... Mm-hmm. But it was also super convenient because, I mean, I could shoot whenever I want. I don't have to schedule <laughs> anything. I don't have to set anything up, you know, with any, or have schedules aligned. It was... And it was so personal to me. It was hard to really share that with people at the time. But if I didn't fully play out the stills with this performance element of it and the garment in general because it transformed like I don't for the one body of work I have it doesn't really it started out as the apron but then I buried the apron and let it die in the ground for mm, a month mm. and oh a wow half. so then I went and it took me like a week and a half to find where I buried it because I didn't think to mark it <laughs> go me <laughs> but then I dug it back up And then I reconstructed it again into something new, you know, and that was the whole transformation of it led with the transformation of my emotions and things that were going on in that time. Just I was uh, I guess we're getting personal now, but uh, with the that big body of work, I was in a long term relationship and we were engaged um, and he joined the military. But. I didn't feel like the military lifestyle was something that was going to work out for me personally. I loved him, but I didn't love the lifestyle. So that idea of the apron, you know, the housewife, the stay-at-home travel, you know, to be there for him, it wasn't really suited to me, so I buried that thought in the ground, literally. (laughs) So I buried that apron in the ground, uh, let it, you know, steep in its thoughts, And then I went and buried it back up and turned it into more, like, shoulder-like pads, you know, like armor, you know. Ah. It's kind of progressed into this thing, you know, and how I I felt stronger as a person. It took me, even though that piece looks completed, it it wasn't. um, The last thing I did to it was I have sewn the engagement ring on the piece, but it took me a while to feel... Like, it was time to do that. You know, I needed to sit in that for a while. But I finally completed that portion of it probably about half a year ago. I oh, just wow. haven't uh, photographed it or anything. And it's just, it wasn't there yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just that process was how I kind of grieved with that thought, you know. Now, I, I mean, we're at a different point of life. I think that I made the right choices in my life going forward with that. But... It's just the progression of dealing with, like, sad loss of a relationship, man. Like, I right. don't know what else to... Well, some of it, too, I mean, feel... this. It's certainly narrative, given, oh, the, sure. given the movie and the stages as they progress. But then even the text describing what's going on, it's written in an awkward way, which feels more like a, like a mythological sort of... Yeah. Which then makes me think about... Like all the world's religions and these mythologies that we have, there's there's these overarching sorts of ideas that run throughout all of them, yeah. like a great flood or something, or like the the arc of the hero type of idea. Oh, for and sure. I feel like a lot of that is something that's visceral to everyone. Yeah. And I think it's written in an interesting way that mm-hmm. I felt that reading it and looking at it, that it wasn't, I understood that it was personal, but it didn't say... I or me, it referenced the artisan, rather. Yeah, it didn't need to be personal, though. That was I was writing about the character who was the artisan. Right. The artisan could be me, but the artisan could be you. Could be anyone. It could be anyone. That's why I liked I think about it most. Yeah, I wanted to leave it open-ended. Like, another piece called Legacy in there that ties together with that piece. Like, in the process of all this, I lost a good friend of cancer. Mm. You know? And, like... He was known for his legacy, man. He was such a solid individual, and no one expected him to go. But these are the things in life, you know. So, again, the artisan dealing with that, the artisan could be you, it could be me. We we deal with all these things in life. And as you get older, you deal with more things in life, which can also be a beautiful thing because losing my friend also gave me a new appreciation for life that I didn't have before because I, I reflected on my own life. And it was also a big trigger to why I ended my relationship because I was reflecting. I'm like, am I happy in my life right now? Do I want to go forward with this in my life right now? Would I be happy with this? And I realized I wouldn't, so I had to make a change, you know. But 
it was a cheers to life more than anything else. It's sad. I think about this person all the time, but it was a cheers to life. I am very grateful to be where I am now and grateful, you know, it's like grateful to be alive. Right. So it just these sad things turning them into more positive notes, I guess. Well, I think that that is a perfect spot for us to take our mid-show break because I want our listeners to maybe reflect on that because I think that was a very deep and I, I'm glad that, um, that you were willing to share that story with us. On the other side of this break, we're going to take the journey with Brittany from those moments to the last two years and getting to the point where she decided to open up the 2201 an alternative space that is well part of her studio part of where she lives and i think that you guys are going to really enjoy that part of the conversation you're listening to art on the air on wruulp savannah georgia 107.5 fm wruu.org we are savannah soundings community radio with global soul i and my my special guest co-host kevin clancy will be right back after this break for more of our conversation with Brittany reedy be right back Telfair Museums will present Savannah artist William Kwamina Poe talking about his exhibit, The Journey is Mine, Chapter 1, about his native Ghana, on Thursday, November 14th at 6 p.m. at the Jepson Center for the Arts on Telfair Square in Savannah. For more information, visit telfair.org. We're back into the studio here. You probably heard that message there about the upcoming exhibition by William Kwamena Poe, and I wanted to let you all in on uh, on some good news. He is going to be my guest next week in the studio. I am so excited to have him. I am a huge, huge fan of his work, and I'm so glad that the Art 912 program over at the Jepson Center has decided to feature his work. But the fact that we're going to have him on Wednesday right before the show opens is just such a... Uh, I'm just so excited, and I, I've been really – I've had to call him a bunch of times to get this all set up. I've been talking to him for over a month, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy him and, and everything he has to say, not only just about his his artwork but about his background because I think he's a really interesting human being. So I think that's going to be a great conversation. I'll be bringing in a guest host, Kerry Williamson, who was with me last week when we did our Field Note episode as well. So you should enjoy that. That'll be next Wednesday the 13th from 3 to 4 p.m. here on WRUU. Let's get back into our conversation here in the studio again. I'm Rob Hester. I've got my guest co-host, Kevin Clancy, here. He is an artist and the main man behind the Hen House. And our in-studio guest this week is Brittany Reedy, who is a fiber artist, photographer, and recently has taken up the extra occupation of curator of the new space in her home where she lives the 2201 let's move into that because you said that you were sort of struggling to make work for about two years after you graduated you weren't really making a lot of work i based on what i we just heard before the break kind of feel like you were taking a rest period i mean based on the depth of the work that you were working on so I'm kind of curious, how did you get back into it, and how did that lead to deciding, okay, I'm going to open up my home to an art space? I was very burnt out after uh, college, for sure. I just was working a lot on my work, and it was very deep work. Most of that work I created, pretty much all the work on my website I created within, I would say, eight months to a year. So it was just a very wow. intense year. Wow, so just year. putting it all out there, yeah. Yeah, it was a very intense year. And uh, I definitely took a, a strong two-year hiatus and didn't really make anything at all. But I've gotten into my current career, which I, I'm a cook. Um, so getting into culinary arts a little bit, which is t- ties my love for natural dye and food. And I do love to eat. I do love a good snack, you know. Um, <laughs> but taking some time and starting to focus on that direction in life, I'm I'm slowly taking. Well, so I actually didn't know that about you. I didn't realize that you were a, a cook. And what do you do? So where are you? Where are you cooking? So currently I am a cook at La Scala Restaurante on 37th and Abercorn. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, everything is very fresh. I pull fresh mots almost every day. You know, I'm making our own sauces, cheese, everything. But 
It's very good. We make a we make a mean pizza, but we also make a lot more. <laughs> but I'm a very casual lady, so I am a big fan of the pizza. Right. Well, no, I love pizza as well. So let's let's talk about now. You give us the story of the why you decided to open up two two o one because it's a pretty simple story, but I kind of love it. Well, I I got the space so I could try and get back into my own work initially. That's why I picked my apartment. Because it definitely is very industrial and is great for studio space as well. But my friend uh, Cameron, Cameron Sharon, she actually has a show over at Rat on Bull right now Mm -hmm. throughout November. And she's shown at the Hen House a few pieces over there. But she's my partner for the 2201. She runs our social media and things like that. So uh, she was struggling to find space to show. And I was just like, well, why not show here? Why don't we show things here? You know, it's it's hard because either a lot of galleries and spaces won't get back to you or the price point is just so high. It's unaffordable. A lot of the curators do put a lot of work for these shows and I think they're great. But I was like, well, what if I allow this space where the artists can do whatever they want? Literally, you, you really have pretty much free reign over this space. You want to hang stuff? Sure. If you want to, you know, build stuff coming out of the floor, sure, you know, I'll help you hang if need be. But mostly it's on the artist to hang how they want and use the space how they want. It's, I mean, it's a free gallery. I don't charge for it. It's just I want accessibility for people. I mean, I still curate it and Cameron and I curate together. But by allowing just one or two artists to use the space at a time, I think they can really take advantage of the space. I took an installation class in college with Deb Oden. She's amazing. But it really taught me the power of using the space. And I feel like artists should be able to do that more. Right. And you've eliminated, as you mentioned, you've eliminated the commercial aspect of it. So there's no pressure to make a sale. Whereas like, if you rent a gallery space and you make show cards and you do any sort of advertising then you're investing a certain amount of money right off the bat that doesn't even include the cost of producing the actual artwork because there's a cost associated there. So like yeah. you might go into a show like $1,000 into the hole where you're there's a pressure then to sell work, to like replenish not only that, but then actually make money to, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, buy food, pay rent, do those yeah. things. Whereas you... In a lot of ways, the same model that you have, Kevin, over at Hen House, eliminating that part of it so that you can just focus on making good art and not being worried about, oh, I've got this $500 check I need to write for the space for this month or for this week or for the opening or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I mean, if the artist wants to do flyers and things like that, please go for it. You know, we'll do our digital advertising for sure, but it's more so just a passion project for us, you know, and we'll definitely, of course, hang things in our window. Speaking of which, if anyone has any shows they want to advertise, please throw us some flyers. We'll definitely advertise in our little gallery window, you know. And so it's called the 2201 just for, I haven't even clarified this, because it's 2201 Price Street. Yeah. So that's the easy thing for people to remember. The gallery name is where it is. Well, I I couldn't think of any other name, to be honest. Like, I look at the door and it's just 2201. Like, it has (laughs) to be the 2201. It can't be anything else. You know, it's very, very obvious in location. It's very obvious when you're milling up, you know. Even when I open the one door, you still see 2201 in giant numbers on the front. There's no way to hide that, you know. Let me ask you, so you, okay, so you had this initial show that you did, and it turned out, it worked with Cameron, and you put together this show. But then you, this past month in October, you did an exhibition with... um, Jack Reader. yeah, Yeah, Jack Reader. And so, but that was more of like... That was our That's not just run. your free. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how did that all go? How did that all work out? Uh, I definitely learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jack definitely did a good job working with me because I have no experience. I am still very new to this. I just it was a random idea and I, we decided to shoot for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Cam- after doing the initial show with Jack Reader, that's when I brought Cameron on. I'm like, I, I need help, man. I'm like... 
she's she's my homie. I was like, I really, really need a strong assist. And she was like, of course I'll help you with this. I'm like, great. I'm like, here's the social media info, please. And uh, she's just so organized compared to me. Definitely organization isn't my strong point, but the show with Jack was a really good learning curve. I didn't realize, you know, you need to patch up the walls and paint them white and, you know, get all that together. I mean, we've been doing it for seven months and we still learn new things every day. Yeah, that was just like over my head. I'm like, oh, I I should have done this. He's like, yeah, that's the thing you do. I'm like, great, doing it. So the night before, just me and uh, his partner, Angel, we're just like painting the wall white, you know, getting everything together and... It, it came together. It, it just it came well, together. So the reason why I wanted to have you on this show, too, is now kind of emerging. And, and this also goes in line with why I invited you, Kevin, too. Because what I think, what I love about both of what you, the two of you are doing with the 2201 and with the Hen House is it's like we need something. We're just going to do it. It doesn't matter that we maybe don't have all of the technical expertise to do it. We're going to figure it out as we go along. And the reality is, and I would, this is some, a suggestion I would make to Savannians in general, Savannah artists, is like if you have an idea, just do it. Figure it out and do it because now you're saying, oh, you're learning stuff every week. You've been doing um, Hen House now for, money, for many months. But to me, it's a professional operation. I go in there and I mean, it's, we make it We make it look real good <laughs> on the back end. But man, I mean, uh, I, my partner Chris and I are meeting this evening as soon as the show closes to pull down work to patch and sand some old patches. And we got to pick up more paint because you got to paint the walls. To get the next show that's coming up uh, laid out and, you know, start measuring and and screwing holes in walls. And it's a never-ending cycle. I think it sounds like, and we had this conversation in the hall, there was a great need because there's four or five house galleries that have popped up in, in less than a year. So mm-hmm. was, Morgan Adler's place, mm-hmm. which we were talking about off the air. Yep. Yeah. Park Ave Studios, mm-hmm. a space between, and then Cedar House and the Lodge to an extent, because um, we lost a number of galleries in the last few years here in the city. But then there's a certain naivete, I think, also, you know, uh, white walls, measure 60 inches on center, put a screw in the wall, hang it, and then you think mm-hmm. that that's it. But it, there's a lot, it, and it just creeps up on you, and you learn as you go, and... Yeah. It streamlines some processes, and then other things come up, and yeah. But it's been really good. I mean, it's a it's a massive feeling of like accomplishment, and you help people, and your friends, and yeah, and even more than my friends. Mm-hmm. We are opening submissions soon for the next show, so keep an eye out for that on the Instagram. And we'll post, and I'll have you send that my way too. We'll we'll publish that as well through our Art on the Air social media accounts. Yeah. The Art on the Air Facebook page, Art on the Air 1075 uh, Instagram account as well, because, you know, more opportunities, the better. And I really do appreciate that. Now, we are running a little short on time here, and we need to we need to finish up our show with, well, I don't know. It's kind of my favorite segment because it's just so much fun. And now it's time for three big questions. With your host, Rob Hessler. And yes, it's time for three big questions again this week. We've got about, well, three minutes. So it's going to be three big questions in three minutes. And Kevin, I I would love to hear your answers on this as well. My wife gets first first billing on all this stuff. And I'm just going to say that. So, um, and this is more for you, Brittany. Since your gallery is also your home, how do you deal with so many strangers coming and going from a traditionally sacred space? Well, for me, we're only open on first Fridays. We don't have gallery hours. We don't have anything like that because I don't really have the time to maintain that. But also, uh, first Friday's prime time. And because there is enough separation, it doesn't really feel like a sacred space on that half of my living like you walk in and I like say hello to my echo and you know because that's the gallery space and then like behind a bunch of curtains that's my living space and that feels a lot more homey so keeping that separation really helps it doesn't feel as sacred you know well and I'll ask you the same Kevin because you don't have the space it's not your living space but you were talking a little bit about how your studio space is also now the gallery so there's a 
your job and then your own personal working environment, how do you kind of keep that balance? I think at the 39th Street space, I mean, Tom is a friend of ours and he owned the building and was upstairs. So trying to maintain some level of cordial interaction between people, it can't get out of hand, obviously. And then down at the stables, my studio is there, so I can have gallery hours and work at the same time. So I think the that idea of killing two birds with one stone for sure lets me save time. It's driving around the city. Every half hour I lose, I become furious. There's just not enough hours in the day, unfortunately. I know. There's so many good things to do. Let's get to our second question here. This is actually my question. Both of you have a somewhat tentative foothold in Savannah. How much money would it take for you to stay? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. How much money... That's that's hard. I I mean, I'm giving myself a timeline of about maybe a year and a half here in Savannah to two years. Uh, so $2.3 million would do it? Perfect. Okay. I will got take that. that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's for you. It's a billion dollars. So that way we can screw up the entire economy. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. I mean, uh, I don't know. It'd be nice to make... I don't even know. I mean, I'd like to make enough money that I could reasonably enjoy my free time to make my own work yeah unfortunately to make that money means that i'd have to be working probably yeah Yeah. i don't know so we'll stick with 3.2 million dollars okay finally andre bertolino a former guest of art on the air asked the following question this will be our last question 30 seconds if you could transform into any animal what would you be cat bear for sure (laughs) good choices good choices (laughs) Kevin, my spirit animal. <laughs> Kevin Clancy, thank you so much for being my guest host on the radio show this week. Thank Appreciate you very it. much. And Brittany Reedy, thank you so much for spending some time talking with us on Art on the Air. We wish you the best with your new endeavor. For sure. Definitely come check us out, y'all. <laughs> We're going to finish this episode of Art on the Air with our nice long field note about the Starland mural project. We got four artists that we spoke with. Did want to mention again... We have William Quamina Poe coming up next on next week's episode. That'll be from 3 to 4 p.m. here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Got no time, but I want to mention two quick community calendar events. Quarter Pundred by Peter Edwin Roberts opens tomorrow at Kobo Gallery. That's from 5 to 7 p.m., 33 Bernard Street. It's going to be a great show. I've seen a lot of those promo images, and Peter's one of our favorites, if you're interested in that. And then on Friday, the Stephanie Howard Southern Arcana opening reception at Laney Contemporary. I love Stephanie's work. I'm really working hard to try to get a field note interview with her to share that with you guys. But the reception will be Friday. That show is going to go all the way through the rest of this year. That's all the time that we have for this episode of Art on the Air. Thank you all for listening. You can catch us every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Coming up next this nice long field note interview about the Starland Mural Project. Talk to you next week. I'm just ambushing here with my microphone here, Xavier Hutchins. How is your project going over here on this first Friday in Starland? It's going along great. You know, I got a couple of people help, uh, helping me out. I Who got, are these people here helping you? Uh, I got my brother here, Zachary, my blood brother. Uh, and then over here to my left, I got Eric, Eric Bailey, a uh, good friend of mine. So... Well, tell us what the project is. Uh, the overall project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, basically, I'm one of eight artists that has come together to turn this building, which is the Starland Dairy, uh, Dairy Building, into a work of art, basically. Uh, eight different artists, eight different styles, eight different, you know, flavors. Um, and what are you depicting here? Because I saw we saw your proposal before it got started. Uh, what what are you what are you painting as your mural? Uh, basically, it's just my rendition of what people may call the crab in the bucket mentality. Uh, just from what I've been hearing around the city about Savannah natives is that we have that crab in the bucket mentality where we struggle to make it uh, out of our you know situation, whether it may be us dealing with something internally. Or something that's external, maybe something that's dealing with uh, 
with peers or whatnot. So this is kind of my rendition of what that means and how can we uh, just overcome that mentality. So give the people the your Instagram. So if they want to check out your work, how can they see it? Uh, you, you can find me at art underscore by underscore Zay, Z-A-Y on Instagram. And it's just art by Zay on Facebook. And we've also posted an in-progress shot of this on the Art on the Air 107.5 Instagram. Xavier Hutchins, thank you so much for letting me ambush you with my microphone here tonight. No problem at all. Thank you for coming out. I'm drawing a little peachy scene of a Southern Charm element here. And, yeah, vibing with people as they come through. So what is this? So I see a, it looks like a figure with a hat. Um, not really sure what's going on with this orange circle. <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah, so the orange circle, he's kind of like a comic, like a cartoon character of uh, kind of, so it's all like Southern charm. So you got the old kind of classical Slovana kind of charm stuff. And then he, he is new to like social media kind of like in your face. You get a call, you better answer that. That's not me. That's not you, oh. No, you're the big, you're the, you're the big time guy here. Sweet. your phone ringing. Uh, yeah. Um, How's it going? I mean, how are you feeling great. good about it so far? Oh, I love, I love painting this setting, man. It's, uh, it's been a while since I've, done kind of a live painting of a mural in, in a setting like this it's, it's always one of my favorite things about doing this and you brought some music as well yes i'm kicking the jams as they say <laughs> jose ray thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes we'll post a couple of images of this up on the art on the air 1075 instagram account what's your instagram people want to check out your work my instagram is jose ray say j-o-s-e-r-a-y-s-a-y follow please Jose, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Always. Always a pleasure. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I'm with Kevin Bongang. We're at the Starland Mural Project. Looking at his mural at the corner of 41st and Bull Street. Kevin, what are you doing here? Tell me what's going on. So the project is for um, Starland Mural Project is what it's called. And the goal is to beautify Savannah. And um, what I'm doing is a freestyle mural that's gonna speak to bringing happiness into this community and also encouraging people to explore Savannah. So the theme I'm going for is Explore SAV. In all my works, I do a lot of text. So the main text that's gonna exist within this mural is gonna be Explore Savannah. Very cool, and now you've done some public art around Savannah before. In fact, we were standing here and one of your pieces drove by. Tell us about that. Yes, I grew up in Savannah. I went to Savannah Arts Academy, which is literally um, like a 10 minute walk from here. So a couple of my friends I grew up with started a food truck company recently called Dark Shark Food Trucks. And I was responsible for being, or oh, I am their creative artist. So I've done so far two of their um, food trucks. So it feels good to be back home and creating for the city. Those are pretty famous food trucks, so I'm sure lots of people have seen those pieces. Now, let's move back to the mural that you've got going on here. It's very brightly colored. It's right here on the corner. A lot of people are gonna be able to see it. What has been the response so far? So far, the response has been intensely encouraging and great feedback from the community. Even the homeless people are, are loving the colors. So, um, it's been quite inspiring again, like positive feedback in the community that you're you're creating art in, you know. You got anything else to say about this project? Because this is really cool. I mean, eight artists all working out here on the street. What I would say about this artist is um, having grown up in Savannah and um, it feeling like a place where I felt I could see more art. I feel like this project is really going to show the community how important art is and, you know, in different areas and hopefully it could open the door to more public art especially in historic savannah because there's ways to still be creative and maintain the historic aspect of savannah and we, we're just trying to add to it and keep it beautiful for sure well kevin bongang thank you so much for talking with me for a few minutes for art on the air field notes today it's been my pleasure kevin bongang check me out yeah what's the instagram uh my instagram is bongang art and that's b-o-n-g-a-n-g-a-r-t um, and that'll get you to everything I'm doing right now. So check me out. Very cool. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Art on the Air Field Notes. I'm with Tyreek Maxwell. We're over at Starland Mural Project. Tyreek, I know you're one of the eight artists doing murals here. What's your project? With my project, what I do in my paintings is I'll go around town and I'll take these shots of different interesting architecture pieces that I'd like to see. And I'll try to abstract them 
in different ways using uh, different colors and shapes and kind of trying to put myself a little bit into these paintings. So with uh, the painting that I have now, my inspiration was obviously the uh, dairy. I kind of would go around different angles of it to take pictures. I kind of wanted to experiment with uh, different finishes for different areas of it. Mm -hmm. So in the uh, darker spots, I kind of wanted to have more of a mirror effect, sort of a glossy sheen to kind of have that illusion of the different types of building surfaces that I was taking pictures of. How do you think your work compares to the other people that you, you're working with here? Because you're all out on the street, you're all working together, but you're all doing very different things. I guess with the types of different art that's on the wall, I guess it kind of represents the different types of artists that you can find in Savannah. Mm. You know, we have abstract artists, we have portrait artists. There's artists from all walks of life, and those walks have different styles. So mm -hmm. I think it represents Savannah that you'll see a lot of different types of artists with different styles. Well, and I think that's a really good point because I was talking with Kevin Bongang and he was mentioning how he was doing a very freeform sort of piece. But then before we went on the air, you were talking about how much planning you put in your pieces and actually the planning stage is where you spend almost all of your time. And then once you get everything laid out just right, the piece just like flows really quick. Yeah, with mine, like starting off, like I kind of have to clear my mind of actually getting started. So when I first started making the mural, I had to paint most, if not all of it, one solid color to get blank whiteness out of my head. And I feel like when I do that with paintings, it kind of calms me down a little bit because like, honestly, I don't think painting to me is therapeutic. Like when I'm trying to get these lines as straight as I can or trying to get everything filled out the way I wanted to, it's not nerve-wracking, but it's a different kind of feeling that I want to describe when I'm making these types of things. Like when I was making these lines for what I'm looking at right now, I know I redid this line maybe five times before I felt like it was in a good spot where it referenced what I was doing. And I'll point to the Art on the Air Instagram account, which I've posted up the image that Tyreek is speaking of right now as it's in progress right now. And you can see it might seem simple on the surface, but you've obviously spent a lot of time getting that just right for this. So let's talk about your work before, because some people might know your work from the exhibition that you had over at Starland Cafe earlier this year. How would you say this kind of relates to that previous work that some of our listeners might have seen of yours previously. This work relates to the work from that show as far as theming goes. Like when I'm making these paintings, even though they're abstract works based off of architecture, I always try to put like a little bit of my experiences into them. So a lot of the work that was, uh, well, a few pieces in the Starland Cafe show were based off of album covers, specifically uh, Pink Floyd album covers. Like I was listening to some music to kind of get inspired to work on my paintings. And I came across some uh, Pink Floyd songs, Echoes in particular. Mm, okay. And so when I looked up the album cover, because, you know, when you look up album covers, it's that's a whole different level of art that you can draw inspiration from. So the uh, compositions in those inspired me to make a collection of paintings that reference the songs. So it's like a three-part song that changes, you know, melodies and tempos. And I wanted to capture that in the three paintings that I have of it. With this one, the themes of it with the uh, buildings and the color palettes usually reference things that I like in my personal life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, stuff like that. Storm Thurgerson did nice. a lot of the covers of the Pink Floyd albums, and they're very iconic. And for the time period especially, they were kind of like unique, very surreal. Yeah. And I can see that in your work, like the way that you use angles, it kind of, as a viewer looking at the works, there's something just slightly disorienting about looking at them. So are you expecting viewers for this piece to sort of stand in front of it and be maybe just a little bit disoriented? I kind of like to see people's reactions to my paintings. Like, I made shaped canvases before. They try to replicate different shapes, like cubes and stuff. So when I make these paintings, I kind of want to see how people interpret how the colors and the uh, placement of them affect, like, light sources. Mm. So I want to, I kind of want to play with light sources and shapes and colors with my paintings. 
so they can view them differently. How has the response been so far? I mean, you're kind of early on in the process here, but I came by on first Friday and you were up in a, a you were up in the scaffolding, yeah, doing some painting here, and obviously it's going to be a big mural here. What's been the response so far? Because it felt like on Friday night that there was a lot of excitement around doing these murals. Yeah, I was surprised how many people were, you know, just walking up and talking to me about it, even though I'd just gotten the uh, base colors down. But uh, it was a lot of people, you know, asking me about my process, and I got to talk about what I was doing here a lot and the uh, project as a whole with, uh, you know, the eight artists that Mm -hmm. were picked to do this. So, I mean, I'm very excited to keep it going and talk to people about it. Very cool. Well, Tyreek Maxwell, the piece is on Bull Street, just a couple of panels down from the Central Animal Hospital here, just about 41st and Bull Street. Thank you so much for being on Art on the Air Field Notes today to talk about your project. No problem. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.